back in with another week underway. It is the nation's college basketball show and podcast. It is college basketball coast to coast. I am your somewhat capable and somewhat coherent host, TJ Reeves, and I've got special guests that are joining me. Straight ahead, Mark Wise will be back with me. My analysts love his insight for all the work he does with me on this podcast and show on TuneIn, uh, including in March and the Final Four. We're marching to March right now, and Mark will be with me. He's working SEC as he has customarily during the week. Midweek game, Texas A&M, Florida. Then American Conference on the weekend. That will be with SMU and Houston. He's got a lot to say about the Houston Cougars and the job that Kelvin Sampson's team has done as of yet. Uh, so Mark will be with me, and then we will blog the bracket. Chris Dobertine is with me. Bloggingthebracket.com is his website through the SB Nation uh, websites. Uh, Chris has been blogging the bracket for going on a decade with teams in and out, and where are they seated? And of course, last weekend, the 2020 selection committee being chaired by Kevin White, the athletic director at Duke, they revealed the first 16 teams that they have in for the upcoming uh, NCAA tournament, subject to obviously change according to winning and losing just from last weekend alone but they gave you a peek on what they were thinking at that time for the top 16 teams so chris will have thoughts on the bracket on the seating on all of that here on college basketball coast to coast right after mark wise is done anxious to talk all of these different midweek games and matchups what are those best matchups reminder you can follow the show here uh, via social media follow us at cbb coast to coast with the number two in there cbb coast the number two coast to follow the show and keep track of us as we go along here with college basketball coast to coast and again uh, we're, we're provided through uh, outlets like Spreaker, subscribing on iTunes, on Google Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, you can find this show. I always love talking the hoops, love talking the college hoops in specific. And, and look, we, we have now seen this again with the Carolina Duke game. I am here to tell you again, I, I am a fan of the NBA, much more so at the end of their season in the summer. Uh, obviously, when their second season, their playoffs begin, the NBA regular season cannot touch the college basketball regular season. You see one dramatic game after another in college. They're memorable. They're more significant. There are fewer of them. They're more important. You know the rivalries. You know the tradition. Regular season NBA basketball just doesn't match up. And so many times we get this uh, one team cares but the other team oh well they've got a couple of guys sitting out for load management they don't want to play in this regular season game oh it's back-to-back nights they can't be bothered with the night that ain't the college game you watch what what happened with Duke and Carolina on Saturday night where Carolina is down in the dumps with a losing record yet they fought tooth and nail with a Duke team that may very well end up being a final four team in Atlanta holy cow What a game. And what a great game with UConn and Cincinnati, even though I thought it was an awful no-call at the end of overtime, where Cincinnati could have won the game on a last-second shot by Jerron Cumberland. He got hit by the UConn defender. There was no call, no foul. Game over, horn sounds. UConn pulls two upsets, beating Tulsa at Tulsa, beating Cincinnati at home. The regular season just means so much more in college basketball for these different teams. I mean, we're going to talk about a Rhode Island team, Rhode Island Rams, uh, playing at Dayton. Humongous road game for Rhode Island. First place unbeaten Dayton, 10-0 in the Atlantic 10. Top five Dayton in the, in the NCAA net rankings. That is a massive regular season game that is coming on Tuesday, and you may already know that result. 
of what happens there. But all across uh, the country, you will see these regular season matchups that are enormous. Duke Carolina is kind of a different level and what a finish uh, to that game. We'll talk more about it with Mark Wise coming up. And we'll say a few words about Indiana and Bobby Knight reconciling. More so Knight wanting to come back and be around Indiana after having been fired disgracefully back in 2000. It's been 20 years since he's been associated at all with Indiana. Time has healed some of that. His former players have healed some of that. Uh, Knight obviously in lesser health, frail health. Uh, Who knows? Uh, how well he is, how much longer he hangs in there, but it was good, at least for now, in the present in February of 2020 that Bob Knight was back in an Indiana sweater and at Assembly Hall because he was Indiana basketball for 30 years in the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s. Uh, So it was good to have him back. Uh, There's no apologizing for the antics, the behavior, the bad behavior. And, And he got punished and punished significantly. But now we're well beyond that, and I'm all about forgiveness. Uh, I I love the line from Martin Sheen playing President Jed Bartlett in the West Wing when he tells uh, somebody, uh, because he has a degree, the the fictitious president that uh, Sheen is playing, that he has a degree in in theology. He says, I'm more of a New Testament man myself. I'm more of a forgiving New Testament kind of guy here. Uh, Forgiveness is good. Forgiveness is good for everything except for my Memphis Tigers because I cannot forgive them for losing to the USF Bulls out of Tampa at home when I am married to a USF Bull, Mrs. Reeves. Mrs. Jennifer Reeves, a USF Bull, has not let me hear the end of that after the Tigers may very well have blown any shot, any shot at an at-large bid in the NCAA tournament by virtue of losing that game at home to USF on, on the heels of losing to a bad Georgia team at home also. Those are the losses that kill your at-large hopes. So, again, I'm willing to forgive my Memphis Tigers right now and Penny Hardaway. Please get your act together. Go beat Cincinnati at Cincinnati in the rematch of a game that Memphis won earlier this year. Go get that done, and you're back in my good graces, Tigers. Let's hope that that is the case. So we have much to discuss, much to get to here on the podcast. Let's get rolling with our guests, the insight, the analysis, the bracket, even three wise men coming from Mark Wise. Here we go. Back at it again. I love the insight of the former Purdue and South Florida assistant, longtime analyst with me, previous broadcast live, Sirius XM, Fox Sports Radio. Tune in as well. And right here on College Basketball Coast to Coast, whether it's the podcast or the live shows around March and the NCAA tournament and the Final Four, uh, you are in transit again, my friend, headed to an SEC showdown on the SEC Network midweek, Wednesday night, depending on when they're hearing us. That's Texas A&M hosting Florida. We'll talk to you about that. But man, did we have some wild... Uh, fantastic basketball before we get to the games this week. So let's look back for a moment or two. Duke, North Carolina. Your, I, I've given a couple of thoughts earlier in the podcast. Your thoughts on the amazing Houdini-like escape by Duke to rally and win in Chapel Hill Saturday night, sir? Well, first of all, I thought the non-call on the inbounds pass was a horrible non-call. And I get that the Carolina player was going trying to go up the floor way too quickly. That was a mistake on his part. But I thought the contact is what caused all of the loose ball. And and as a consequence, um, I I felt like Duke caught a break there. Now, I got to tell you, the play at the end of the game where you missed the free throw on purpose, (laughs) you can practice that all you want. And I know that Coach K is one of those guys that pays close attention to details, and I know they've practiced it. 
but you can practice it without anybody in the complete gym and not be able to execute it as well as they did. So did Duke catch a break? Yes. Did they take advantage of that? Absolutely. Yeah, that that's an incredible play, again, to recreate, and most of the fans that are hearing us have seen it, but Trey Jones firing the ball as a chess pass off the front of the rim. Coach, I submit that if he does that four more times, at least twice the ball goes out of bounds. It ricochets and <laughs> nobody can corral it. Would you buy that? I, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely, and then if that wasn't break enough, I, I really felt like Duke caught a break. Now, the, the score was different in the Florida State game on Monday night when the play happened uh, just outside the arc and the Duke player kind of cleared out the FSU player. I thought, yes, you might have called uh, Trent Forrest for reaching in, but the, the, the play wasn't even reviewed, and I didn't understand that. The, the rule of that is where the ball is, in the offensive player's possession in order to make that kind of move. And I'm talking about leading with your arms and your elbows, the ball must be above your head or below your waist. And it was not. So as a consequence, I thought that play had to be reviewed. I thought it was a flagrant one. Uh, Now, as I mentioned earlier, it still means that Florida state was down three, but it certainly would have given them a better shot at the win. And there was another controversial review where the ball was called off of Vernon Carey in the final minute and a half, where I believe Duke was up either two or three, and clearly Forrest is out of bounds, and Jay Billis is pointing that out on the broadcast. He's standing out of bounds touching the ball, and they looked at that and did not call it uh, off Florida State, so... There were some questionable calls at the end of that game. Uh, I I was very impressed with how Florida State hung in. Uh, You knew that Duke was going to be emotionally down some, if not spent, after the North Carolina game 48 hours later. Uh, I think we give credit to Leonard Hamilton's team. They are long, they are athletic, they are underrated on how, how physical, how athletic they are, and they hung right with Duke. Coach, those are my thoughts. I agree totally. Remember, this is a program now that has played in the second weekend of the NCAA tournament in back-to-back years. Their their ability to be to be so dynamic on the defensive end, they don't care about switching because they have all of those bodies six foot eight uh, to six five to six eight. They don't care about switching. Makes it very difficult for you to score on. But I got to tell you. If you're asking me which was more impressive to me, Duke's comeback against Carolina, and I get how extraordinary it was, or the win over Florida State, I would tell you it was the win over Florida State. To play that well two nights after that dramatic comeback, really a testament to Duke's players and staff. Against against a top 10 team, which is your point. Yeah. Uh, and both of yeah, these teams, exactly. both of these teams are going to be favored to win the ACC tournament along with the likes of Louisville uh coming around uh here in about 3 weeks. So, see what happens there. Baylor also a Monday night winner. It was an ugly game for a lot of it, low scoring, but they won over Texas. Hey, just say something. Scott Drew deserves a ton of yeah. credit right now cuz they they continue to win road games. Uh, as well in the Big 12, proving themselves. Yeah, they don't shoot the ball consistently well, but the thing that has impressed me about Scott Drew, if you ask coaches around the country three or four years ago and you say the name Scott Drew, the first thing that everybody pops up is matchup zone. That's what he's known for, matchup zone. Well, he's finally got a collection of athletes and players that he can play the kind of man-to-man 
that is suffocating at times, and they are really, really good at it. There's no question in the NCAA tournament, Baylor will hang their hat on the defensive end, and it is really tough. Great point that you always raise about the best coaches are the ones that are willing to adjust the way they play, the tempo on offense, the three-point shooting, or on defense. Coach K was a guy that for many years wouldn't play zone uh, and and went to it, and it helped them win a 2015 national title uh, when yep. they did. So uh, being able to adapt and adjust is all part of this. Love the insight. You're hearing Mark Wise with me. It's College Basketball Coast to Coast, the podcast found via iTunes, via Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. Subscribe, rate us, review us. We love the insight here on College Basketball Coast to Coast. All right, so let's uh, let's bring this back to the games on Tuesday and Wednesday. Again, running down kind of the most important games uh, as we go out of the top 25 uh, Kentucky will play at Vanderbilt in the SEC. This was a closer game. You did the game. This was a closer game than right. most thought a couple of weeks ago at Rupp. Vandy off the win over LSU. Is this a pitfall game for Kentucky or not much to be concerned about here in the SEC? I, I really don't think this is a, much of a concern. Um, I think, if anything, that first game where Vandy went into Rupp and played really, really well, I think that will get not only Cal's attention, but it'll get the players' attention. Okay, so look for that in Nashville. Just after that, 7.30 Eastern Time Tuesday, and again, I continually qualify this. You may already know these results. If you're listening later in the week, Wednesday, Thursday, you will know the results. Right now, we're in the preview mode, and it looks like on paper we've got a great one in the Atlantic 10, Mark Wise, Rhode Island, at Dayton. Yep. Dayton unbeaten in the A-10, 10-0, but Rhodey 10-1, and the first of two meetings at the Dayton Arena. This time they'll play in uh, in Rhode Island in Providence uh, later in March, the second-to-last game of the year. This may be one of the last chances for somebody to beat Dayton in the A-10 before we get to that Rhode Island game again late in the year, right? I don't think we're really surprised at Dayton and their success in the conference. I'm really surprised at Rhode Island and uh, the fact that they're playing with – such a meaningful game in the conference they're just one game back of Dayton but come on man Obi Toppin are you kidding me uh, at home I, I, I gotta believe the Flyers will be uh, ready for this tilt well, and Dayton again fifth right now in the net ranking that tells you what uh, you know how highly they're being thought of and they were they were put on the two C line when the selection committee gave that advanced peak just for now subject to change of their top 16 teams in order they've got Dayton on the two line right now and you've had a lot of experience share with the audience here you've had a lot of experience around Anthony Grant as a former Florida right. assistant uh, and later a, a head coach at VCU and at Alabama just say something about the job Anthony Grant is doing here well he here's an, an example of another coach who's kind of changed his MO now I get it it helps when you have a lottery pick and, and certainly Obi Toppin is that for Dayton but when uh, Anthony Grant was at Alabama they grinded out games I mean they played games in the 50s and 60s and that's the only way they played he went to the NBA served as an assistant under Billy Donovan for a year when he was let go at Alabama and I have to believe that that kind of influence, that kind of offensive influence, helped Anthony Grant as, as, and as a consequence has helped Dayton. 
Voice of Mark Wise with me for a few more moments. Again, he's traveling to do Texas A&M, Florida. That's on the SEC Network Wednesday night, depending on when you're hearing us here. We're in the preview mode right now. Aggies, that's a large game for them uh, for bubble purposes, uh, correct, on on Wednesday evening against a Florida team that has suddenly taken a couple of bad losses. Yeah, it's not so much a bubble game for Texas A&M. And Texas A&M has surprised some people. They're 5-5 five and five in the league, and so that really doesn't surprise me because I knew what they had returning in terms of Flag and Nebo and Wendell Mitchell. But for them to shoot as poorly as they have shot the ball, um, being 5-5 five and five in the league is a little bit of a surprise, but man, oh man, did they go to the offensive glass. That'll be a challenge for Florida. And this is a Southeastern Conference right now, TJ, that's going to have, I think, several teams floating in and around the bubble, whether you're talking about Florida or Arkansas or Mississippi State. Um, I think there's going to be these three or four teams that are going to be discussed all the way to Selection Sunday. Okay, and again on Tuesday night to back up a step, Mississippi State at Ole Miss, Arkansas at Tennessee, and both of those games, they have relevance, obviously, for what you're talking about, right? Yeah, there's a, there are huge games for the road teams there. Arkansas is having to play without Isaiah Joe, so they're damaged goods right now. Can they get the road win? Mississippi State is trending in the right direction. Reggie Perry is having a player of the year kind of back half of the season. Uh, he is a man-child. He's coming off that great summer from a year ago where he played with USA Basketball and was the MVP of that under-19 tournament. So, um, I think Mississippi State probably trending in the right direction. Arkansas probably trending in the wrong direction. Okay, and then on Wednesday night before your game, kind of as the as the warm-up, and this is a dandy rematch, Alabama at Auburn, 6 local time, 7 Eastern time on the Plains. Auburn already uh, with the crazy wins over both Kentucky and LSU in an overtime game Saturday at home. Now they play Alabama in a rematch, Mark Wise, of a game that Alabama won in Tuscaloosa. Uh, Alabama is another team that's uh, beat up because Herbert Jones is not playing. And Herbert Jones, maybe more than any other player for any other team in the league, is the great glue guy. So they're going to miss him. For Alabama to survive, and they're going to shoot a lot of threes under the Nate Oates system. We know that. But for them to survive in this rematch game, remember Auburn's only lost two games on the year at Alabama and at Florida. And for them to be around at the end, I'm going to say maybe 12 threes or more will be a target for the Tide. Keep an eye on that. Also on Wednesday night in the top 25, Seton Hall hosting Creighton. Great win for Seton Hall at Villanova on the weekend. Can they continue to follow it up? They look like the number one seed. They are right now three clear of everybody in the lost column uh, in the Big East. What a job for Kevin Willard. Are they dormy? I, Are they dormant? I don't. I don't know yet uh, because they do have some head-to-head tiebreakers at the moment too. They might be a little golf term there from Mark Wise. Uh, you also have your eyes Kansas, West Virginia Wednesday night. Yeah. Big Twelve at West Virginia, seven Eastern time. Again, we're in the preview mode. You may already know what has happened in that game, but you you think right now for West Virginia, huge week for them. Uh, they're in right now, but resume building Kansas at home, and then what Baylor right on the weekend. Yeah, West Virginia is safely in, no question about that. But you talk about a week of resume opportunities when you play Kansas and Baylor in the same week. That, that's what's in front of the Mountaineers. So, yeah, they, they can only enhance their resume, and they've got a couple of great opportunities this week. 
So that will lead us to what we always enjoy from Mark Wise. And now it's time for Mark Wise's Three Wise Men. Again, love it. We love whether it's a player, whether it's a coach, whatever the situation is. Who are the three wise men? You have the floor, Coach. A wise man, number one, you know, a lot of people, you either love or hate Bobby Knight, and for good reason. He's been so impactful in, for, in our game, uh, both from a positive and negative standpoint. Um, I wanted to focus in on his return to Assembly Hall last weekend, and TJ, the lasting memory for me from that experience was not Bob Knight walking out on the floor. It was all of his players around him and the smile, the relief. They were so proud of having their coach back. And that's the memory I'm going to take from that moment. Love it. Uh, Time heals all wounds. It took 20 years. But, uh, yes, it was great to see that. Whatever your opinion is, and and I'm one of those, he put himself, and you are too and many others, he put himself in the jackpot. But you you can always forgive. You can always go back. And that was great to see. Wise man, situation, person, coach, number two. Well, this is going to be a little self-promoting because I have this team on Saturday in the American when they go on the road at SMU. But Kelvin Sampson, I just don't know that he gets enough credit for what he has built at Houston. And I did games in his first year at Houston at old, decrepit Hofheinz Pavilion where they played in front of 500 people. The apathy that surrounded the program was just Uh, It was just unbelievable, and for for him to have this program now ranked again on top of the American Conference again, the fact that they're 19-5, and 9-2 and in the league, and now ahead of everybody, I I just can't say enough good things about what Kelvin Sampson has done at the University of Houston. Houston playing midweek in Tampa at USF. USF off the off, off the uh, upset, my lord, of my Memphis Tigers in Memphis. Houston then playing SMU Saturday. Mark will work the game uh, at 6 Eastern time on ESPNU for that one. And final wise man, Mark Wise. TJ, you know how every once in a while we, we, we cover a player and you go, wow, how long has he been there? <laughs> It seems like he's been there 19 years, okay? And we're always talking about seniors. I've got a junior for you, and you've done his games. Loudon Love of Mm. Wright State, the double-double machine. He's had 10 double-doubles on the year. He's averaging almost a double-double, 15.3 points, 9.9 boards per game. He's a redshirt junior. Everybody in the uh, Horizon League, all the other coaches – They've got to be going, are you kidding me? We've got him for another year. Wright State on top in the league. And remember, encircle this date. February 28th is the last regular season game in the horizon this year, and they have to go back to northern Kentucky. And that's a one-game lead for Wright State right now. That's a, a date you're going to want to circle. We have done the championship games, including uh, Wright State winning a couple of years ago and going to the NCAA tournament with Loudon Love. The power of love, my friend, like Huey Lewis in the news. <laughs> uh, we'll see if the power of love continues for Wright State. Again, you are midweek Texas A&M and Florida, and then on the weekend in the American Conference, he's working SMU 
and Houston. And and you speaking of the power of love, you got much love for a friend of yours that's tagging along. Give the shout out in the story. You've got a special caddy yeah. handing you the nine iron on this trip. Yeah, I've got a good friend from Tampa uh, who lost his wife last summer, and uh, he's on my trip. This he's my caddy. <laughs> that's uh, this right. Entire week, so. Uh, we're going to spend the week in uh, Texas. We're even trying to get maybe to a Mavs game on Thursday night. So uh, he's going to be with me in College Station, and then we're going to move on over to, to Dallas. So thrilled to have him on the trip. It'll be a fun time. That That is tremendous. Good for you. Enjoy that with the friendship, the bonding moment behind the scenes. He's in charge of keeping you in line and behaving. I can't do it if you're on the road. Somebody's got to do it, my God, <laughs> for Mark Wise. Coach, we'll be watching on the SEC Network for Texas A&M Florida Saturday ESPNU with SMU and Houston Cougars. Thank you for the time on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Travel safe. Thanks, TJ. And we thank Mark Wise for being with us. Again, he's in the travel mode trying to get out to Texas A&M and Florida midweek. You may already be hearing us about some of these games that we're talking about. Again, I quantify, I qualify that this is a preview mode show right now during the middle of the week. So you may know some of the results on Tuesday that we've been talking about already. But a reminder, we try to spread it out and talk Wednesday and Thursday as well, midweek here on College Basketball Coast to Coast. And College Basketball Coast to Coast is brought to you in part by Play Pick 6. Many of you have been giving us positive response that you have found this great new prediction game for college hoops and even the NBA and the NHL to mix and match and pick six games at any one time in any one day with Play Pick 6 and the mobile app. Go to the Google Play Store, go to the Apple Store, download the mobile app. It's free to download. It is free to play. It will take you less than three minutes to sign up and be ready to pick those games. No obligation, no entry fee. And here's the cool thing. Not just college basketball, but you can cross over sports. So if you want to make some picks, like coming up on a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night of college games, mix and match the NBA, mix and match the NHL. A lot of these prediction games are monogamous to just one sport. You can't mix and match. Not the case with Play Pick 6. Go download the app play pick six is the app in the apple store in the google play store find out more information on how you can win a great restaurant gift card by just simply playing for free and picking six games correct by going to playpick6.com go to the website playpick6.com find out much more but again you've got an opportunity to pick any six games show what you know for free get those six games right you get that sports restaurant theme gift card Uh, right there for getting those six correct. So again, go download the app. And a a reminder, uh, this is a a neat thing for Saturday in particular when there's such a bevy of college games plus NBA and NHL. If your picks lose out and you still have an opportunity to pick six more new games together that haven't started yet, West Coast, Mountain Time Zone, West Coast Time Zone, pick again on a Saturday. Go again with another entry in the same day. They let you do that with Play Pick 6. So again, download the app. Apple Store, Google uh, Play Store, go get the app. Uh, Play and win for free. Pick any six games in College Hoops exclusively or mix and match with the NBA and the NHL right now. It is Play Pick 6. Oh, he had so much fun last week. He can't stand it, so he's back here as part of college basketball coast-to-coast. And he has functioning not only electricity, running water, but actually internet, cable, the whole thing. 
it's good. It's good to be back in the 20th century for Chris Dobertine of bloggingthebracket.com back on college basketball. Coach, Coach, I, I love that you can fully communicate with everybody you need to communicate with, have the technology at your disposal, because, man, do we miss it when we don't have it for a few hours or a day, et cetera, et cetera. Good to be with you. Good to be with you, too. I was worried I was going to have to go out and get one of those old-school Gutenberg printing presses <laughs> and do my bracket updates that way. You mean one of those that you crank with the handle and the copy paper comes off and has that smell and has the purple ink and you just start handing it out by hand on the street corner, that that's how you were going to have to distribute this, this yeah, week's yeah, edition? Old, yeah, the old, the old mimeograph machine, yes, from grade school. <laughs> So luckily, we do not have one of those. Chris's site through the SB Nation family of sites is bloggingthebracket.com. It's up. It's fully functional. He's got all of his stuff, depending on when you're hearing us here, for Tuesday, for Wednesday. I always leaning. I love leaning on you uh, for bracket stuff here as we started this uh, relationship, this partnership. But before we get to the bracket stuff, gotta, gotta, gotta talk about what we were talking about with Mark Wise uh, in the last interview segment and coming off the weekend, Duke, Carolina. I've given some thoughts. Mark gave some thoughts. What a comeback by Duke. Your thoughts on all that happened. You have the platform. Go. Well, the thing that was really surprising to me was the fact that Duke was really able to kind of build off that, and they weren't really exhausted from, you know, first off chasing down North Carolina and then having to, you know, survive them in overtime. And they were able to take care of a pretty good Florida State team in Cameron on Monday night. But really, Saturday was just completely unbelievable. You know, we were joking on our last appearance, our last talk about, you know, oh, you know, Duke, North Carolina always delivers. Yeah, this game's not going to deliver. It's going to be terrible. (laughs) They busted out these gimmicky jerseys with no numbers on the front, you know, to kind of get everybody to watch. (laughs) It ended up being one of the games of the year. And you kind of think about Duke, you know, you know, you get Vernon Carey fouling out you know, pretty late in the second half, and you're, my whole position at that point was, yeah, there's no way they're going to come back here. There's absolutely no way. <laughs> and, and, and Trey and... Jones and Cassius <laughs> Stanley, just they absolutely made sure that Duke was not going to lose that game. And, of course, you know, Carolina having to go to, to Durham to wrap up the regular season, you know, they still have some opportunities to kind of get back, not necessarily in the bubble hunt, but to build more confidence going to the AC tournament, you know, improve their, their seating. But, Having that last that game absolutely last of the regular season before going to Greensboro, that, <laughs> and the way that finished, that can't really do all that well for for North Carolina's confidence going into that finale. No doubt. And uh, again, there are so many different things that you can point to. But you're right. Carry fouls out. Carol, Carolina's up 11 with two minutes left. You keep you keep going back to how did they lose? How did North Carolina lose that game with everything in their favor? But that's just the way that it has gone this year. They're having a bad season, and it was kind of a microcosm in those last few minutes of regulation and overtime. Because then then Duke's up five in overtime, and Carolina comes back to take the lead. And again, you're saying, how did they lose the overtime lead at home and yet it happened. We watched it. It's amazing. It's why college basketball is different. It's why that rivalry, we've learned our lesson, that rivalry is just different. It is amazing the number of crazy games they play, and that was another one. And and you bring up a great point. Mark was bringing it up, too, that they, they had to have legs and emotion for Monday night because Florida State brought it at Durham and came back and had yeah. the lead in the second half, Chris. Yeah, and, and Duke really showed a lot of excellent composure over the last two minutes in particular, Florida State kept on, you know, kept on putting up shots, 
you know, kept on giving Duke their best, and the Blue Devils just responded, which against a team that's as good as Florida State is, that was very impressive to me. No doubt. All right, I also want your thoughts on Bob Knight's return uh, to Indiana for the first time in 20 years since being ousted, since being fired, uh, had, had had such a contentious hatred, really, for the previous president, Miles Brand, and for the way that he was dismissed, that he would not come back, even though he's living right down the street from Assembly yeah. Hall in Bloomington, wouldn't come back. Uh, Chris Daubertine of, of uh, bloggingthebracket.com, what are your thoughts on that whole thing? I'll let you say whatever you want to say real quick here. Go for it. I, I didn't pay too much attention to it because Florida was playing a terrible game against Ole Miss at the time. So I kind of flipped over when it happened. And, you know, my, my feelings on Bob Knight are, are probably a little bit different than many in the college basketball community just because, yeah, he did a lot of really good things in Indiana, but he did a lot of really bad things too. So I was really kind of surprised to see the reaction that he got from the crowd. And it was, you know, good to see Gene Cady there as well as they had many great battles over the years in the Indiana-Purdue rivalry for that particular game. But it's really just kind of sad when you think about, you know, kind of where he is. He didn't look all that healthy. Um, and the way the relationship with Indiana had, had really soured. And it's really, it's been two decades. You kind of think about it. It doesn't feel like it's been that long, but it has been. But I think for them to have that that moment almost not really of closure, but to get back, you know, together, I think it's good for the community, but for all that, you know, he's, he's done good and bad. I think that it's, it's a little more nuanced of a picture than I think many, you know, are, are kind of willing or we're, we're kind of willing to share over the weekend. Well, he was iconic as their coach. The fall was an epic fall to be fired from there. Uh, at this point though, time does heal. It should, you can forgive and his yeah. players, as Mark Wise was saying before you came on, you couldn't hear him before you came on, but to look at the expression of Isaiah Thomas and all of those players and how excited they were. And he is still beloved in the Indiana basketball community yeah. among Hoosiers. So you saw that love, too. So I, I get that. I, I get all parts of that. And I understand people that 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 uh, have the opinion, and I am somewhat of that opinion. You put yourself there. And that's kind of what yeah. you're saying, too, with your behavior, with your bad behavior. You put yourself in that situation, but at least they healed up some. All right, let's get to what you do. And we've had some interesting developments, and there will be many more interesting developments uh, for Mr. BloggingTheBracket.com with SB Nation. Uh, okay, so give me a couple, three teams. I know my Memphis Tigers, let's just get it out of the way, horrible loss at home to USF. And you, you have them plummeted not only uh, out of the uh, the first four in Dayton, but you have them where right now midweek? They're not even the, you know, in that first eight out group. They're kind of the ninth team out because we had a little bit of an issue as I was going through and looking at profiles. And you have Minnesota, who we talked about them last week. They're the highest team in the net that's left out of the field right now at 40th on here on Tuesday afternoon. And their record's 12 of 11. So they're kind of like Texas was last year, where Texas got in that last, you know, that, that first four out group, despite being, you know, one game over 500 or so. Minnesota's in that same position this year. And with the quality of teams that are just ahead of the Gophers, you know, seven teams in front of them in, front, in that queue for the cut line, Memphis end up getting back because you can't lose to South Florida at home. You just, you can't do it. And I know that they played a tough game against them in Tampa, you know, a little less than a month ago, but 
seriously, that that's when you can't ha- you can't drop at this point of the season. Especially when you already lost to a Georgia team that's not anywhere close to a tournament team and not even going to be an NIT team probably, and you lost to them at home. This is now two bad losses at home. Uh, I know one of the teams you want to talk about is Cincinnati because Cincinnati got a, a couple of large wins. They beat Houston at home in the American. They won at Wichita State. Then they lost controversially to UConn on Sunday. I don't know if you want to say something specifically about that. But Cincinnati hosting Memphis Thursday. And the Bearcats are a team that I know you want to say something about. Yeah, Cincinnati has gotten themselves you know, from out of nowhere. And that's how quickly these things can change the season with with the way that the spread of teams are, Cincinnati got themselves from having no quad one wins going into the week. Now they have two because not only do they beat Wichita State on the road in the thrilling finish on Thursday, but Houston's down in the top 30. So they have that home win to kind of bank on as well. And, you know, the UConn loss is bad because that kind of knocked that it's still a quad one loss because UConn's still in that top 75. You know, that's kind of one of the benefits of the system is that, Something that hurts you a little bit can can kind of still help you a little bit in terms of the rankings. But they're going to have a very interesting stretch coming up because, as you said, they have to play. You know, they have to host Memphis on Thursday night, and then afterward they get a, what should be a very winnable game against East Carolina on the road. But Cincinnati in the past has had trouble playing the Pirates in Greenville, so. They're in position to get there, but they have to be very careful with these two games coming up. How much has Wichita State cost themselves now because they were bad at Houston and blown out? Uh, I, I know these are these are good opponents that they've lost to, but how much has Wichita State cost themselves? Yeah, Wichita State I have as the second-to-last team in right now, and they have two quad wins like Cincinnati at this point, but, only, but those two are against Connecticut – and Oklahoma State, who are two teams that are not really in the discussion at this point. Their best win, that VCU win at home, is a quad two win. VCU still has a shot getting up there in a quad one. They have an Oklahoma win, which, you know, is looking good. Oklahoma's top 50, but they're probably going to be one of those teams because of what they did in non-conference and the strength of the Big 12 is going to get a little bit of boost as the year goes on. So I think Wichita State will be fine if they kind of get themselves, you know, back on track. You know, they've lost, you know, their last three and five of their last seven. They have, they've only beaten the two Florida schools, South Florida and UCF, that, in that span. So they have to get back on track, starting with that road trip at UCF on Thursday. All right, voice of Chris Daubertine with me a few more moments. College Basketball Coast to Coast podcast, wherever you found us, social media link on Chris's site. He's linked us up, bloggingthebracket.com. Thank you for finding us. Follow Chris, by the way, at Chris Daubertine, D-O-B-B-E-R-T-E-A-N on Twitter. He's constantly tweeting every evening right now about the bracket, about the games, about the results. If you're into this, as we're now within five weeks of Selection Sunday, can you believe it? Uh, this is what this man does with SB Nation and their college basketball uh, coverage. Okay, so uh, I, again, I love saying it this way. I put the buffet in front of you. Is there anything else that we haven't covered about a team kind of hanging around, trying to protect their their status, a team that's now played their way out? Is there another? What else? Who else? There's got to be one or two. The, the first team I have out right now is East Tennessee State, who's sharing the Southern Conference League with Furman right now. Furman beat them in their first meeting of the season, which is why the Paladins get the edge. Um, ETSU has a great win over LSU. Um, 
the top of the Southern Conference with Furman and UNCG, who, if you remember correctly, was the very first team left out of last year's field, is very strong. They've already swept the Spartans, so that's you know two wins. You know, one of those being a quad one, one being quad two win they have on their profile. They're probably going to have to get to the SoCon final, but I think if they get that far, if they beat Furman in their rematch coming up at home, and they get to that final and potentially play Furman or UNCG again uh, on the Monday of championship week, I think ETSU has a shot at making the field, depending on how things happen elsewhere nationally, just because we we might very well just be out of really good options at that point, and they might be a team worth a shot. I mean, just because they were able to go to LSU, a very difficult place to win and run off the floor with a, with a convincing victory back in December. Well, it's a good point. When we were talking about the American where teams right now look like they're playing their way out, the Pac-12, you could also say that as well with some losses where you just scratch your head this past weekend where UCLA comes in and beats Arizona uh, at Arizona. You look at Oregon, goes to Oregon State and loses. Um, so that's going to do some damage to some resumes in the Pac-12. And you got your eye on a Pac-12 matchup, by the way, kind of in the preview mode this week as well. Yeah, Thursday night we have Oregon State hosting Utah. And Oregon State, with that win over the Ducks on, was it on Sunday? Correct. Or Saturday. You know, Saturday. They end up winning by 12 over Oregon. They now have four quad one wins. And not only are those quad one wins, they're all top 30 wins. So this is a team that, you know, has kind of gotten itself back on track. Let me ask, let me ask, right now, how far do you have them out or do you have them right on the fringe, Oregon State? They're kind of in that group behind Memphis because their problem is that they have four losses against teams that are outside Mm. of, that are 99th or worse. Mm. And that really kind of deflates their metrics a little bit. But you kind of look at the Pac-12 schedule coming up, and here's who they have. They have Utah and Colorado at home, which are both very – would be you know good wins. Colorado would be a quad one win. Utah would probably be a quad two. Arizona and Arizona State on the road next week, two more quad one wins. Then they have to go play Oregon again, and then they get Stanford and California. Stanford is another team that's kind of on the bubble where their net ranking doesn't really match up with kind of their record – so Oregon State still has a lot of games ahead of it where they're going to really have a chance to kind of get themselves back. And it's a similar story for Utah. You know, Utah ended up beating Stanford in overtime, you know, which has kind of pushed Stanford closer to the cut line. You know, they have Oregon and Oregon State on the road this week. They get UCLA, USC back at home. And, of course, USC is really the only team that's kind of in the picture out of that group. And they go play Stanford and Cal again in the Bay Area. Again, that Stanford game being more important. And their travel partners, Colorado, that's their home finale. So that's another squad. Remember, you know, they've already beaten Kentucky on a neutral floor. They've beaten Oregon State at home. You know, they have a win over BYU. So they have some solid wins. They have a win over Minnesota, a team that's on the bubble. So they have some solid wins, and they're going to be able to potentially play their way back in. And Arizona State's my very last team in this week. And, and that's another squad that, you know, beat USC on Saturday night on a thriller in the last minute and, and kind of got themselves back in. How about that? Again, Utah, Oregon State in Corvallis. That is a six local time, nine Eastern time game, Pac-12 network Thursday night to keep an eye on that. Is there another game? I know we talked earlier about Rhode Island at Dayton Tuesday night, depending on when they're yeah. hearing us. That's a Tuesday night game in the A-10. Is there another game that intrigues you midweek here besides one like that, another one of interest? 
uh, uh, Michigan State, Illinois on Tuesday night at nine on ESPN, just because the Spartans keep on losing and Illinois is going to be very granted. They beat them handling these Lansing, but having to go and do that again in Champaign is going to be a very difficult task. So that's definitely what I think that kind of keep an eye on because remember when the committee came out with their top 16 on Saturday, Michigan state was 16th. I would not have them there now <laughs> after losing to Michigan. I was really surprised they were there in the first place. Um, so that's definitely one I want to keep an eye on. Rutgers has an opportunity at Ohio state on Wednesday night. Um, to finally get a road win that would actually mean something. Um, they haven't won on the road yet. They need that game pretty badly. Um, Thursday has all sorts of interesting games. That Memphis-Cincinnati game we talked about, which is Toss State trying to get back on track at UCF. Um, Indiana needs a big win. They have Iowa coming in. Um, Colorado-Oregon for first place in the Pac-12. Utah-Oregon State. Arizona State-Stanford's a big bubble game. Washington-USC's kind of a bubble game, too. Mm-mm-mm. So Thursday in particular is really busy. This man is really busy as well. Chris Dobertine, love the work, bloggingthebracket.com. Check him out as part of the SB Nation family of websites. This is what he does. This is who he is. This is his time of year. We love his insight and analysis with us here on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Let's get that ball tipped. Let's get the ball in the air. Let's put up some threes. Let's see if we can play some transition defense this week. Uh, All part of college basketball coast to coast here, every which direction. And, Chris, I thank you for hopping on. Uh, We'll talk to you again soon, and we'll be reading along as you blog the bracket, sir. Absolutely. Thank you, TJ. There we go. Love Chris's insight again, bloggingthebracket.com. Mark Wise with me before, as again, Mark is working Texas A&M Florida midweek, depending on when you're hearing us, SMU Houston on the weekend in the American Conference on the ESPN family of networks. Again, a reminder, subscribe to this podcast. Easiest way you get it, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. Subscribe. Spreaker as well. Spreaker, uh, a great outlet, uh, not only for the live listen link, but to subscribe to the podcast comes automatically to your phone, to your iPad, whatever your listening device is. Whenever there's a new one, we are headed to the month of March. We can see it from where we are. We're anxious to continue to talk all about it. I'm TJ Reeves. Thank you for being with me on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Bye.